Hello and welcome to Working From Wisdom. My guest in this episode is the lovely Rohini Ross and Rohini has had a very varied career starting out as an international model and she now works as a transformative coach and trainer and along with her husband Angus they do a lot of work in the area of relationships and they also have their own podcast called Rewilding Love and I love that phrase rewilding so that was one of the first questions that I asked Rohini was to explain that phrase and in particular how it applies to relationships. If this topic is of interest to you and you would like to find out more information about Rohini and her podcast, I've shared all of her links and details in the description box. Rohini, thank you very much for joining me for my podcast, Working From Wisdom. I'm delighted to have you. I'm so happy you asked. Thank you for having me. So um, the first question that I normally ask people is, what does working from wisdom mean to you? So let me have a reflection on that. For me, it means listening to that inner voice within and following it and really allowing my action to come from there. And so I think over the years, I've just noticed how I just have this sense of knowing when to do something or not to do something. Uh, And it's just sometimes it's a little niggle. Sometimes it's a really clear directive. But for me, that's what working from wisdom would mean to just follow that inner voice and allow it to drive my actions. And would you say that you always trusted that little voice or that (laughs) inner knowing? Because, you know, I'm kind of just in this space now of being really curious about how wisdom shows up for me and and what it looks like, because it's it's different for everybody. And and reflecting black, reflecting back on times where I didn't realize that's what it was, but retrospectively, I can see that now. So, you know, what's been your experience with that, with tuning into that voice? Have you always trusted it? I can't say that I always listen to it and follow through, but I have a funny story about, um, sort of my first real encounter with it. And so for me, it's definitely um, a feeling uh, that I notice in my body, like there's a feeling and it it stands out to me. But I think it especially stands out to me because when I was, I think I was about 13, I was uh, on a sleepover with a friend who was a little older than me. And her parents had different uh, rules than my, my parents had at that time in terms of what we were allowed to do. And so this is long before cell phones and all of that. So my mom said, call me at a certain time. And, you know, that in her mind would know that I was safe and I was home for the night and good to go. And so my friend said uh, on that evening, let's go to the baseball park and meet some boys. And I'm like, yeah, let's go to the baseball park and meet some boys. (laughs) And we were going to be out at the time that I was supposed to be calling my mom. And I had that feeling call my mom now, just call her now. It wouldn't be that much before because we were going to be going out when I should have been coming in. 
And it was really strong and I didn't listen to it. I think I was embarrassed. I didn't want to ask to call my mom at that point. And so uh, we went, we went to the baseball park. We met some boys. I think I was um, drinking some beer and uh, we're just uh, hanging out there. And then all of a sudden someone comes running down the street, Rohini. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, your mom's called the police. They're looking for you. (laughs) (laughs) And And I had another opportunity to listen to my inner wisdom because my first thought was, run, run for the hills. (laughs) And then my wisdom thought was go home with this guy and face the music. And so I went to his house. He lived just down the street. So I went to his house and waited there very um, embarrassed and humbled, got picked up by my mom and was grounded, I think for the whole entire summer. So (laughs) I learned to notice that feeling (laughs) it came up listen to it I don't know if it would have played out differently if I had called her but it it gave me a really strong um recognition to listen to that voice that feeling when it comes up so I can't say that I still listen to it all the time but I think it gave me a early sensitivity to trust it when it was there yeah yeah and one of the things that I kind of am noticing is that I'm getting the feeling that something is kind of wisdom guiding me, but it doesn't fully make sense to me. You know, so sometimes it, it contradicts a lot of what the outside world or what I've been conditioned to believe. So it's sort of like, well, this is what I feel like I'm being guided to do, but it kind of doesn't make sense to me. So there's, there's a little bit of that releasing and surrendering into, well, it will down the line. It just may not right now. Absolutely. And I think that that can be a misunderstanding that people have that, oh, if it's wisdom, it's going to have a good feeling on it. It doesn't always feel good, not because the actual wisdom doesn't have a good feeling on it, but sometimes all of the insecure thinking that comes in, once you get that feedback, it doesn't feel good. And I know that that happens quite often. I remember a few years ago, Angus and I ran a series called the Soul Centered Series, where we were, um, when we were able to have speakers come into Los Angeles, and we ran a six-month program, and I'd never done that before. And when I got the idea, it was definitely had that feeling of, oh, this is a good idea. I want to pay attention to this. But immediately, in my mind, it's like, well, who am I to do that? And they're not going to want to come, and I can't ask that. Like, just all kinds of insecure thinking came up. But I was able to just hear the inner prompting. It kept, it didn't just prompt me once, fortunately came through a couple of times. I'm like, okay, well, I'll just see, let me ask some questions, see how people respond. And, you know, as I got the feed, took action, got the feedback, then it became easier to realize like, oh, there's actually some momentum here. And even for the, a program that I ran um, this past uh, year in the summer, for whatever reason, it was just really, a strong calling inside of me to do a practitioner training program for uh, people interested in looking at this understanding through the lens of rewilding. And so I did a rewilding guide program. And in my mind, it's like, oh, that's a great idea. Let me do that next year. And the inner prompting was like, no, do it in October. (laughs) This is August. I'm not going to do it in October. But again, it's like, well, (laughs) a little bit of notice wisdom, if you don't mind. (laughs) Exactly. Come on give me a break here. And so I just thought, well, again, let me put it out there and see what the interest is. 
and there was enough interest to um, be able to run the program. We just finished it a couple of weekends ago. So it is important to recognize that the noise of our intellect, our analytical mind, our insecure thinking can get pretty loud. But as you said, when you are willing to just have it not make sense necessarily in the moment, realize that things will get figured out along the way, then it becomes a lot easier. And what I found is when I'm listening to that inner prompting of wisdom, things tend to unfold with a fair amount of grace. And so if I had put that program out there and there hadn't been any interest and there hadn't been any momentum, I would have been like, oh, I probably, you know, I thought it was wisdom, but probably wasn't, you know, or who knows why I was supposed to do that at the time, but it wasn't to run the program. So I think being willing to course correct, because maybe can't think of a specific example, but maybe something starts off as one idea with wisdom prompting in one direction, but then I want to have the flexibility and the fluidity to change course or change tack as wisdom may continue to unfold and evolve. Mm, yeah, that's lovely. Um, I love the title, Rewilding. Tell me about that. You know, tell me about where, where that came from, because it just it really speaks to me, you know, having regularly been called a rebel. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. Tell me about where that came from. That must come from my 13 year old still being wild. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I got that. All right. And I was thinking, oh, there's a whole other conversation that I'd like to have with Rohini here, you know, drinking beer with boys when she was only 13. <laughs> I hope my mom doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, rewilding. I love the term too, because of just what it evokes, you know, inside of me when that the energy of rewilding, it's, it's got that natural feel to it. It's also embracing the wildness of the human experience. And um, it came about when Angus showed me a video about how uh, the wolves had been reintroduced to Yellowstone Park here in the US. And we were just watching the video and it was showing the impact of how nature can change from one small change, which was a small pack of wolves being reintroduced back to the park. And the conservationists that did that um, were working on a hypothesis, but they didn't realize the ripple effect that was going to happen from that. So there were changes that happened in Yellowstone where it was rewilded back to its natural state to such an extent that the, the way that the river flowed changed. The trees grew back because the deer weren't staying in the valleys because it wasn't safe for them to stay down there. So trees could go back, so birds could come in. Um, beavers started to um, come back in. I can't remember the whole cascade, but there was this cascade of events that from this one change rewilded that whole area to a more healthier, vibrant ecosystem. And so when Angus and I were watching that, we realized that, well, that's what we're doing in our work with people. Like people can be rewilded too, back to their natural state. And what is their natural state if it's not love? And because we work in the area of relationships, it seems that that's a, a beautiful focus because so much emphasis in the area of relationship is about learning strategies and techniques and adding on. 
And rewilding is really a stripping away of conditioning. It's a letting go of what doesn't serve us anymore and coming back to what is true, coming back to the innate wholeness that is there inside of us. So it isn't just about relationship, but we can all be rewilded back to that natural state of freedom, becoming more untamed within ourselves. And it's, it's really vibrant and beautiful. It is beautiful. I, I really love that. And there's just something so effortless about it that, you know, when we let things flow the way that they were meant to, things just naturally fall into place. You know, life knows what it's doing. Life knows how to life. And as long as we don't get in the way of that and, and mess around with it, it's it's going to do what it's going to do. That's that's beautiful. Yeah, aligning with that and just that innate intelligence and realizing that we're no different than nature. Like we are nature. Yeah. And that intelligence is within us and we can trust that and to allow it to unfold. And it might be terrifying at times, but that's okay. It's much more painful to resist it. Yeah. And it is, it, it is that misunderstanding about the nature of who we are that causes us pain, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That, that idea that somehow we are this separate being that can only rely on our intellect to get by. That's really painful. And Angus has been using a statement. There's, I think it was Teilhard de, de Chardin that said we're spiritual beings having a human experience, mm. but he shifted it slightly and just said, you know, we're a spiritual being having all of these human experiences. And when he said that to me, it really struck me like, yeah, we forget that this is one source, one being that we are these incredible, beautiful manifestations of, but it's not, we're not separate underneath it all. We're not separate. We're all connected. And I think on a, in the world of form that shows up more and more just in the interconnectedness of us as a human species. But beyond that, there's that energy behind life, which is the one source behind everything. Yeah. And it's, it's lovely when you settle back into that knowing, you know, I've, I have noticed how much I've quieter I'm getting and how much more comfortable I am sitting with people and saying nothing you know in the past I would have had this need to kind of fill the void and and um and it was coming from insecurity but when when you're just really settled and still and to be able to sit in silence with somebody else and just really feel that connection with them you know you may not be able to explain it but you know it's there you know what's that all about that's really cool <laughs> You can feel it. You can yeah. feel it for sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really interested in the work that you do in terms of relationships, because, you know, I guess it's easy to do the singular and kind of to, to focus on the coaching of the singular or the working on the singular. But when you bring another person into the dynamic, you've got two lots of personal thinking going on. So there's an awful lot more room for, I suppose, uh, friction or um, mm -hmm. just that busyness, you know, expectations. So 
I'd love to know, you know, your experience with that. And th there were a couple of things that I, I, I particularly liked that you had um, said, and it was about, you know, taking things personally, you know, when, when it's really just a reflection of somebody else's state of mind. Mm -hmm. So could you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, there's so much in what you're pointing to in terms of how, how we interact with each other as humans and how easy it is for us to um, feel hurt by what someone says or what they do. And it's really not about making someone wrong for taking something personally. Uh, I think that especially when people start to wake up to who they are and maybe look in a spiritual direction, they can start to be hard on themselves about their emotional experience and have these expectations that somehow they shouldn't be human anymore. They're not going to feel certain feelings because now they're enlightened enough not yeah. to feel them. And I know I've beaten myself up oh, about yeah, that too, too and judged myself <laughs> and judge yeah. other people. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I, I'm learning to be humble in that area and realizing that we don't, uh, get to escape being human. And I think that for many years, I look to personal growth and self-help as a way to escape the human experience. And I thought when it came across the understanding of the principles that, oh, here's a better way to not feel certain things. And of course, that's not it. And I was like, oh, actually, I'm feeling more, but I actually have less judgment on it. And there's more freedom, even though I may be feeling even a bigger range of human emotional experience. And so that the first thing I want to say about taking things personally is we all do it at times. I don't know anyone that hasn't done that. And it's easy, uh, especially if we're in a low mood, to feel hurt and to layer on a narrative about something meaning something about us, even when even on an intellectual level, we may know that it doesn't. So there's that disconnect sometimes that happens between how we think we should be or how we should feel and what's actually going on inside of us. And so first, first part of taking something personally is to just be okay that that's what's going on and you're feeling hurt and to be open to the experience rather than try to analyze it or try to judge yourself for having the experience. So it's like, yeah, your feelings are hurt. That's okay. And what I have seen in terms of emotional experience is that the more we are open to our feelings, the more we allow the health of our nervous system to express whatever it needs to be expressing, it moves through us and we stabilize more quickly. We bounce back more easily. And <clears throat> to be able to see that is excuse me, is what's really profound is to be able to recognize that, yeah, we have the capacity to get upset, but what's even more important than that is we have the greater capacity to settle down. And that's what really matters. And that's, what's really important. And when we see that we get less disturbed by our emotional upset when it comes up. And a lot of the pain and suffering that gets created is the add on to the initial hurt. So I might take something personally, and if I'm going to react to taking something personally, react to that hurt, then I might attack the person. I mean, not physically attack, but I might, you know, be hostile to the person or I might be reactive with that person as a way to try and not feel my feelings or as a way to um, try to feel better. 
in the moment. But if I know that this is temporary, it's going to pass, there isn't really a lot to do. If that's going to happen, just let it happen. And that allows me to have more of a pause before I necessarily take action. And that's not to say that something might not need to be said. It's not to say that you can't, um, you know, be assertive and stand up for yourself if that's needed. But what I see is so helpful is just having a little bit of clarity about that rather than a knee-jerk reaction to that. So if we're open to just our human experience, we're probably going to get our feelings hurt from time to time. That's okay. We bounce back. We're fine. The other piece, which I think is also helpful, is to recognize that when other people are, let's say, behaving badly, they are doing that because it's their state of mind. It isn't really anything to do with us. They're in a, in a place of pain and upset. And this was something that I didn't see. Like I was someone who would take things personally very easily um, for most of my life. And I'm not going to say I don't do it still, but I'm not as likely to take it as personally now. So um, in, our, in my relationship with Angus, I would be very judgmental about his, uh, you know, expression of anger. And it wasn't like on a scale of angry expression, it probably wasn't that big of a deal, but I would take it personally. It would hurt my feelings. It would feel like, um, you know, it wasn't okay if he was irritated or annoyed with me and he was expressing that to me. And I, he tends to wear his heart on his sleeve, whereas I tend to bottle things up and then have a massive explosion. So it's not like that's the better way to go about it. It's <laughs> better to just get things off your chest. But anyway, I would judge that. And, um, and it would hurt. So it would look like what he was saying was responsible for my feelings. It just looked obvious to me that that's how it worked. And so um, after, as you said, you know, you're feeling more settled, more peaceful. Like after I came across the understanding of the principles and just got more peaceful inside of myself, more quiet inside of myself, <clears throat> we had one of those experiences where I'm like, I'm fine coming along. And then he's annoyed about something and he's expressing it to me. Now, in that instance, I didn't take it personally. And I don't know that I'd ever not taken it personally in our relationship. It wasn't like I was trying not to take it personally. It just didn't hurt. And why it didn't hurt is because in that moment, I was clear enough to see that he wasn't okay, that he was suffering. And because he was suffering, that's why he was, you know, getting annoyed about whatever he was getting annoyed about. Now for him, he was confused by my response because normally he would say something like that to me and I would either get hurt or, or I would get angry. I'd have one of the two reactions. And when I didn't have either reaction, he was confused and he's, and then I think he said something to even up the ante and I still didn't take the bait. And like, so okay, then, I can deal with this and I can deal with this, but this whole peace stuff, yes. I, I got nothing. <laughs> And so then he said to me, he said, aren't you going to respond? And I said, no, I can see that you're suffering, uh, you know, that what, there's nothing for me to do. And he said that for the first time for him, that hit him like that. When I didn't have a reaction, he could hear his own conscience and he could feel like, I think he would even use these words. Like he could feel like kind of what a dick he was being to me. And he felt badly about that. 
But if I was engaged with him and blaming him or shaming him or reacting to him, he wouldn't have had the opportunity to feel that. He would have felt very justified and it could have escalated. And so that experience both um, showed us both how impactful it is when we really have that sort of space in our own mind to see things clearly. And that that shifted the dynamic in our relationship significantly. It wasn't, at that time, we, we didn't have a terrible relationship, but I had kind of settled for something that I thought, well, this is going to be good enough. You know, this is, this is as good as it's going to get. Yeah. And it was, um, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the, the rapport, the goodwill, the love, like it, it wasn't robust. And so f- from that point, the goodwill and the love and the kindness toward each other just started to get rewilded and our relationship started to come back. And I started to see my resilience and I started to see that actually his anger isn't what causes me the hurt. That experience showed me that when I feel hurt, it's because of what I'm doing in my own mind. Is because I'm telling myself that if I was a better person, he wouldn't behave that way. Or, you know, I'm in some kind of story that's making the suffering feel, you know, making me feel that suffering inside of myself. And I'd never seen that before. And that was so empowering and such a game changer because I'd always felt like a victim to his expression of anger. And that showed me that that was not what was ever happening. It was that I was going down a rabbit hole of my own thinking based on my own conditioning and history around anger that was getting me all twisted up inside. And that when I'm clear enough to see that, you know, if he's having a bad time and if he's expressing himself in a way that isn't very pleasant, that's on him. And it doesn't mean anything about me. Mm. And isn't there something really like magical about the simplicity in staying settled and staying in your own kind of being of feeling grounded and feeling okay, you know, having that compassion for somebody else and watching how it has a knock-on effect. And far too easily, it's the other way around. It's how you can be in a good space and you're lolly, lolly, la, having a great day. And then somebody comes along and just really pisses you off and you, (laughs) and that's, you know, we're so easily drawn into that. But Mm -hmm. I have seen, you know, how, how powerful it is when I stay settled, you know, and for me, it's, it's with my kids, you know, teenagers. And when I don't react to the slamming door or the shut up or blah, 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 blah. Um, and I just kind of smile and see it for what it is. You know, it's not personal. In fact, it's a caricature of every, you know, like a teenager out there. It's funny. <laughs> but when I don't react, it just, it, it dissolves. There's nothing to do it. All that, whatever it was, that energy, that wound upness that they have, it just dissolves. And, and whether that's in a relationship or in a friendship or, you know, with coworkers, it's the exact same thing Mm -hmm. that happens with everybody. Um, 
all we have to do is stay in our own space. There's nothing else that we need to do except stay settled. Yeah, and when you see that, then you want to look at how that happens in your own life. Like, how do I stay settled? When you realize the benefits of that, it becomes a priority. And not that anyone can stay settled all the time, but when we respect that state of mind, we take better care of ourselves. And we're, we're able to recognize what works against us and what doesn't work. And I think a lot of people think, well, you know, I'm just going to become a doormat if that's the way it goes. But what you're talking about and what everyone experiences is not the experience of a doormat. Like I felt empowered. I felt incredible healing and freedom to not have to feel badly. And it allows me to speak up when needed. It allows me to, you know, set boundaries if I need to with people. It's, it's, it's the opposite of becoming a doormat. There's just a level of clarity that allows you to have compassion for yourself as well as for other people. And so I hadn't realized how sped up I had been. And so when I got more settled, it's like, oh, life can be lived at this speed. And it wasn't the external speed. It was the internal speed that I was going at how much I had on my mind. And, and I hadn't realized that that was optional, that that was something that actually was an additive to, to life or to yeah. the situation or to getting things done. Kind of surplus to requirement, really. Because exactly. <laughs> I like getting things done and I still like getting things done, but I know now that I get more done when I'm in a quiet mind that I'm more, I'm way more productive than I ever used to be because I have less on my mind. And I didn't see that relationship to productivity. I certainly didn't see that relationship to emotional stability. And it, it's like you're saying, really simple because what, what's on our mind is what we're focusing on, on our mind. The only thing that's on our mind is where we're putting our awareness. And so I would um, be spending a lot of mental energy thinking about things in, in the terms of worry, insecurity, anxiety, and realizing that, oh, well, that's mental energy that doesn't have to be spent that way. That's, that is actually optional, like you're saying, that we, when we see that there's a choice, if we don't see that there's a choice, you know, we can't make a choice, but when we recognize that, oh, where I have, do have some choice over where I place my mental awareness. And when I recognize that, it makes it so much easier to not get on trains of thought that are going to take me to destinations of feelings that I don't want to be experiencing. But it's really different than managing thought because um, that's really difficult. So for me, managing thinking is trying not to have certain thoughts, trying to, um, I don't know, have better change thinking to better thinking. Like that's not what I'm talking about. It's just recognizing that if I'm having a whole train of anxious thought coming in, I have the capacity to either pay attention to it, give more energy to it, or be like, mm, I'm going to leave that one alone. And that's so freeing. Yeah. I often kind of, when I get, you know, shitty, shitty thinking comes in, you know, and it, sometimes it kind of comes in a little bit further past the door than you would <laughs> like it to, you know, it's like, sometimes you're kind of looking out the window going, you can see the car pulling up, you know, and see what's coming out of the car. Oh, I don't like that one. Um, you know, let's let's go over here. But sometimes it gets in a little bit further. 
And when your awareness kind of comes to it, it's like, oh, oh, I see what you're doing here. You know, we've had this discussion before. You, you've come to visit before. And what I've noticed is, you know, because I'm kind of a joker anyway, that I can just wrap it in, in a sense of humor and see kind of, oh, that's funny. You know, it's funny how I that would have affected me before, or it's funny how that could have easily changed the way that I uh, that I am. And obviously, sometimes like there's still quite a few of them. They they come in in disguise sometimes. You know, they've got the, the glasses and the, the little <laughs> mustache, <laughs> you know, a bit further in. You know, because you don't you don't recognize them. But it's it's. I'm I'm enjoying the process of seeing a layer and then, you know, another one then kind of bubbles up and going, oh, there's another layer of of old thinking that I didn't recognize. And there's just there's less resistance to letting them pass on their way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that less resistance and less judgment, too, because if you see that it doesn't really matter if you get on the train of thought, what is important is understanding what's going on. So sometimes I'm able to be like, oh yeah, I'm not going to go there, leave it alone. Other times like you're saying, I'm on that train, I'm running with it for a while, I'm having the emotional experience, and, I'm like, ah! and eventually I get off and it changes. You know, my, my experience changes. And, and each time I think that's a learning experience, it's easier to not get on that train the next time it comes around. But the, there's no judgment on any of that. There's certainly no perfection with any of this. We just get better at seeing um, the impact of what we do with our mental energy. And the more we see how it works, the easier it is to take care, better care of ourselves and be like, mm, no, I don't think I'm going to go into that destination. I'd, I'd prefer to just chill out here. And sometimes thoughts can be so compelling that we're not able to resist them and that's okay. And I don't want anyone to think that they should be able to always resist their thinking, never be compelled by their thinking. There's, it, it really doesn't matter if we get on that train, if we understand that we're safe in our emotional experience. And I think that that's, you know, I've, I've worked as a therapist for many years. Now I do more uh, coaching and training, but throughout all of the work that I've done, I see how people can resist their emotional experience and how that creates more suffering. But we would, we of course resist our emotional experience if it scares us, it would be insane not to. So fundamentally what helps is for people to understand how safe they are within themselves with whatever physiological experiences are coming up to see that they have the capacity to simply be with the experience, let it come, see how it does go. It doesn't last forever. And that increased safety then makes all of it so much lighter and less stressful. And like you're saying, we kind of see the humor in those times where we get really gripped and crazy, like, wow, I really lost it there. And it, but it's, it's like, yeah, that's part of being human. Yeah. I know I, I, I recently discovered, uh, a whole shit ton of judgment that I had uh, <laughs> around 
you know, expectations of myself and I didn't realize just how much there was. I knew there was a little bit and then I kind of took a step back. Um, it was after doing a, a coaching intensive weekend and it was, I just kind of went, oh my God, I did not see that there was that much there. Because sometimes, you know, it's it's really subtle and it is that sort of like, oh, I'm feeling agitated today. Why is that? What, you know, what's going on there? I know better than this, you know, and, I sh and, and that sort of like, desire to kind of do something to make it go quicker because mm -hmm. I want to get back in that feeling I want to get back in that nice place and and that's something that I'm, I'm I guess learning is to surrender into whatever mm -hmm. feeling that I'm in and and that's why I love in this conversation speaking to people who are they've done you know they're more comfortable Mm -hmm. in whatever emotional state they are and and that's beautiful to see in other people it's so kind of inspiring and encouraging and you know and that's kind of how we all learn isn't it from sort of seeing that this is possible that's up for grabs too yeah yeah being, being okay with wherever I am at whether it's agitated or or a little bit overwhelmed or stressed or in the feeling each one is okay yeah knowing that it's all part of the health it's all for you none of it is against you and again that's why I like the rewilding metaphor because in the rewilding there's room for it all there's there's nothing that isn't part of that and for our human emotional experience on the emotional level it's all for us there's nothing that is against us or wrong or bad. It's all part of the health of the system. And when we make room for that health, just like when we make room for our physical healing and we allow the body to do what it knows how to do on the physical level, the same is true on the emotional level. If we allow it to do what it knows how to do, we heal on the emotional level. And that example that you used in terms of realizing that you had more judgment and more emotion than you realize after a training, that's something that I see a lot is when people uh, have a shift in understanding when they see the truth of who they are more clearly, they feel more stable within themselves. Often a layer of healing comes up at that point in time because they're now ready to be with that experience. It might be a past trauma, might just be emotions, but when we are ready, the nervous system knows that we're ready and it does what it knows how to do. It knows how to heal. And that's such a beautiful experience to know that our job isn't to get that to come forward. All we need to do is to look into the, in the direction of our own well-being and peace and know that there's a healing intelligence within us that will do the rest of the work. Mm. And it's, you know, as, as you say that, and, and you said it at the beginning that, you know, you feel it in your physical body. Um, that's something that I'm coming to recognize is I seem to, before a shift, I go through a feeling of being agitated, can't focus on anything. Like I've got ants in my pants, very impatient, get bored very easily. And now I'm kind of like, oh, there's something coming here, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it is just like, oh, 
I feel so and something then will happen I will have a massive insight something and it's it's literally I often think of it you know it's a bit like a spot when you're one of those really sore pimples yes. look I have to apologize I used to be a nurse and sometimes I come up with the most gross metaphors and um, this is one of the better ones <laughs> But you know, it's sore, you know, but there's there's nothing there. Like you have to wait until it kind of comes to a yeah. head. Yeah. And that's what it feels like. It's like, you know, there's something leaving. There's demons leaving my body. <laughs> and the more willing I am to just say, you know, off with you. Be gone. I'm done. I'm done with you guys now. Be on yeah. And the way. less you try to figure it out. Yeah. Right. The less you just sort of let let what's happening happen without trying to dig in there and figure out what's going on. Like now, you know, like, oh, I'm probably on the edge of an insight. Let it unfold. That's a whole lot easier. Yeah. It is so cool when you get comfortable with not knowing everything. (laughs) Yes. In fact, realizing that you don't know anything at all. (laughs) That's what I was just thinking. It's like, what do I know? I don't know if I know anything. Nothing. The unknown. Yeah. Yeah. It's and like I have written on my whiteboard in front of me and what's written up there at the moment is what would happen if I was to fully surrender to the flow of life. Mm, You know, and, and the words that are coming up, it's like freedom, wonderful surprises, unknown opportunities. And they're all just all of the feeling that comes on the back of that idea is just good. It's good mm-hmm. feelings. Yeah, absolutely. That idea of being in the flow of life or surrendering to the present, all of those qualities are in that when we just get resourced by being present. I feel that um, there's a lot of time that we spend in our intellectual machinery, but when we actually drop in and get present, there's an inner resourcing that happens and it fills us up. And we, we then get to express that in our life. And so often we get under-resourced in that way. Um, when I notice it with myself, I can feel that, oh, I've just been too much in my head and I'm a little bit frazzled. And it's just as simple as getting present in the moment it doesn't even take long and all of a sudden that that shift occurs and it's simply about remembering and knowing that that's a good thing to do it's you could do it in many different ways there's not just one technique to go about doing it, it could be you know I love to go hiking um, could be just a quiet moment of reflection there's not one way and what's important is people to recognize that that inner resourcing matters it makes a difference yeah, it, it really does. You know, I've just found myself. What did I say to somebody today? I was on a call because, you know, we're kind of in this limbo at the moment, you know, in terms of COVID and restrictions. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, I'm just leaning into the limbo, you yeah. know, um, and I just find myself I get up in the morning and I'm literally. What will I do next? What will I do yeah. next? Yeah. What will I do? Do do I feel like doing some yoga? Yeah. Do I feel like going for a run? No. You know, and it's, it's, and when I find myself sort of trailing off into down the line, I just see that and go, no, we're just doing moment to moment at the moment because we're seeing what that feels like. Moment to moment at the moment. (laughs) 
And there's just, there's a lot of walking into rooms and going, what will I do? <laughs> but, <laughs> but then something will come to me. And, and I, you know, whether it's to do a podcast and I did, you know, I have another little podcast and I did that this morning or whether it's to write something or whether it's to read or something will come and it just comes from that place of not I must do, but this is what I feel like doing now. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the the blessings that having lockdown experiences given people. And hopefully I'm hoping that that will continue even when we have more choice and freedom that we still listen to those inner promptings the way that you're describing. Because that's from my experience, how life unfolds from there is more graceful and more fun and more lighthearted. Beautiful. And on that note, that lovely message, we will leave it. And Winnie, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our conversation and I will be sharing all of your contact details um, and also a link to your podcast um, in the details of, of this one. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Thank you.